Good morning, heart and soul. And a special good morning to those of you who I'm going to call our viewing participants. Because given that our, our sanctuary is largely closed, other than those who are in service, I am very, very grateful for you tuning in. I want to remind you that we are, I am, on an adventure in faith. And this is our first Sunday in Black History Month. And I, I want to share with you how, the, uh, how our adventure in faith looks or can show up in our lives. And it's that when I realized that we were still to be in a virtual, largely and completely virtual service for all practical purposes, I knew, and I knew last year this time, that we could not do our usual black history uh, slideshow. You know, if you're just, if you're a new viewing participant, you may be thinking, y'all do black history all the time. I don't even know what you're talking about, Reverend Andrea. But if you are, have been around for a while, you know we go all in. We blow that thing out, just like we take those 28 days and just <laughs> make them into a month and a half worth of, and, and it means a lot to us. I know the, I can feel the ancestors rejoicing in the way that we, that we honor Dr. Woodson's declaration of black history. And so we were clear that we would not be doing a slideshow or have any of that. You know, we typically would be doing an a cappella rendition, and none of that was going to work for what we were up to. But can I just tell you that the presence of, of the divine through perfect creativity, divine creative mind worked on this. And so Reverend Sonia Russell had a divine creative idea about how it could work. We talked about, well, maybe if we just do a shorter version, we could, we could find a way, and Sister found a way, and I am grateful. And then I thought, well, if we don't have that cooking up, and even before we were absolutely certain that that was a done deal, I put a call into Tammy Hall, <coughs> excuse me, and our minister of music, Valerie uh, Joy Fidmont, to see if we couldn't also have some music. And then we stirred in Liberta Laurel. And so what we have for you this morning is Black History 2022, Heart and Soul Style. And so I ask you to focus your attention wholly and completely on this, our tribute, our 2022 tribute to black history. Oh 
Part of me just wants to stand here and bask in that. Just so very, very grateful to Reverend Sonia for putting the slide presentation, the video together, and to Tammy Hall and Valerie Joy Fidmont and Roberta Laurel for making it sing. Oh, there's that, there's that moment where I think we it goes to um, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around where my Angelou is. <laughs> it, it's almost, I picture her almost singing those words. And uh, there's so many moments there that I'm so grateful that we can embrace because what? We are on an adventure in faith. And historically, my ancestors, our ancestors, in this determination, their willingness, their commitment, their absolute determination and perseverance to move forward together. They needed a soundtrack. They needed something to lift their spirit because on the earliest adventure, on the earliest iteration of this adventure in faith, it's hard was hard, it was bloody, it was cruel, it had a lot of elements that just the soothing words that are inspiring, there's power in words, y'all, and some folks just had to sing it to themselves, ain't gonna let nobody turn me around, it wasn't a song that they were singing out loud in front of nobody's face, necessarily, but it was in their spirit this notion of wading in the water from the Hebrew children to the folks that Mother Harriet was telling to get in the water so the dogs can't follow the scent. It was about wading in the water. And so we don't, we don't take it for granted at all that, that this essential message that was offered on the tuned vocal cords offered solace, offered a calmness, offered a promise, offered hope, opened up another knowingness. And this notion of how I got over, <laughs> that my soul, in a Sankofa kind of way, looks back and wonder how I got over. And knowing that I'm getting ready to take some notes, 
knowing that I'm going to use that for the next step. How I got over, my soul looks back and wonder how I got over. That this is how we're grounding not just our appreciation, celebration, and honoring of black history, but this is how we are living. This notion of moving forward together is not, although it may include some standing still. I, I know I have mentioned that before, but you're going to have to learn to stand still. You're going to have to learn to be still, even as we move forward together. There's going to be a time where it's going to be silence and stillness. Do not move. In the words of Mother Harriet, you, don't, you, don't you even breathe. Because right in this moment, our moving forward together requires absolute stillness. And then there's going to be that part that's going to piss some of y'all off because we're going to have to back up. Somebody's going to think, but wait a minute, Rick, we just came this way. I'm going to need you to hush. Because some of our moving forward together will include some backing up, <laughs> some retracing our steps, some looking back, some touching bases we've already touched. And yet, we've got to know that our intention must be greater, stronger, deeper than our fears. And on an adventure in faith, can we just say it's all right to have some fear? It's going to be present. But you got to know that your intention, your vision, your knowing must be greater than the fear in order for us to make this trek that we are committed to making. So look, on February 2nd, it's officially Groundhog Day. And the legend, the superstition is that when the groundhog emerges, if it sees its shadow, it goes back in and you have more winter. If it doesn't see its shadow, then spring emerges. So I'm going to make us the groundhog. Look at here. <laughs> Look at here right now. We've been through multiple pandemics at this point. And so when we start peeking out out of the hibernation, when we see our shadow, it's our shadow living. It's our shadow side. It's the stuff we're afraid of. It's that aspect of us that we don't want to see. We don't want, to, we don't want nobody else to see it either. So we're, we're largely, I remember, <laughs> I remember my youngest nephew was just a little fella. And my dearest girlfriend was visiting, and when she came into the living room, she was like, what are you watching? Well, he was watching something on television that he didn't have permission to watch. So his idea was he would just block, try to block her from seeing it, that that was going to be, in his little young mind, the idea was like nothing. I'm not watching nothing. <laughs> and, and it reminded me of, in this moment, of how we think we can prevent our shadow from being seen by us and others. We got work to do, y'all. This isn't about, the, it's the groundhog in us that wants to delay the inevitable. There's this 
there's this huge opportunity for us to, to work in and with our subconscious mind, to uncover, reveal to ourselves, to make friends with that those aspects of ourselves that we tend to repress and hide from ourselves. Come on, Groundhog, let it out. Be seen, because, because what we're ushering in is the newness, the spring, that time in which we can blossom, that time in which we can come into, dare I say, fruition. Now, what I know is that what we're hiding could be the effects of, of, of the residual effect, if you will, from trauma or parts of our personality that we subconsciously or sometimes even consciously consider undesirable. It's the shadow self-traits that we can use, though, to further our evolution and our personal development. I hope that makes sense. Because it's an opportunity for us to look more righteously, more clearly, more honestly at the truth of our being in this moment. What is true for me? And in truth, you know, I just want to remind you yet again that this is not a mountaintop teaching. This is not where you catch me meditating at the top and with the little halo light around me. This ain't that. This is me in the valley working it out. This is the reason I know this is because I've been there. And sometimes when I come to you, I have just emerged out of that on the walk to the pulpit or during the talk. I do my best to not be the unhealed speaker. So largely when I speak of it, I'm, I do my best to be on the other side or at least in the emergence of a greater awareness. See, this idea of Sankofa, and there are, we often use the, the, the bird with the egg in its mouth looking back, and that looking back is, is <laughs> my soul looks back and wonder how I got over it. Because I'm not there any longer. You see what I'm saying? And the egg in the mouth is the newness. It's what the groundhog in us is looking for the opportunity for to, to come alive, to emerge into the fullness of life. That's what that egg represents. It reminds us that we must continue to move forward, even as we remember the past. And I'm not standing here pretending that remembering, recalling, honoring the past is easy. For some, it will some gonna have to fall out in fetal position, and we just gonna have to support them. That's what the power in community. We can stand around them while they're in fetal position, and then at that point, when the groundhog in them peeks out to see whether it's safe to emerge, we can be a part of the welcoming them into the spring of their being. And as we remember to bless our past we simultaneously plant a seed for future generations. It's our responsibility. It's ours to do. We're not just living this for the now. 
some of y'all need to listen to your elders. I'm just saying. I know everybody didn't teach that. There are those from my generation that you couldn't live. You never would have lived to be this age if you weren't respected elders. You just never would have, you would not have been able to draw enough breath in order to get to this point. But I know everybody isn't still teaching that. The value in it is that they've already been in that valley that you're determined to get into without knowing that what your determination is is really your own demise. Look, when Mother Harriet, Mother Harriet Tubman, was doing her amazing work as a Underground Railroad conductor. The folks who couldn't listen and wouldn't listen couldn't be a part of that track. Could only be with folks who could hear the voice and respond affirmatively. Other than that, you couldn't go. It's going to be a mess. You're not going to make it back. You're not going to make it to the destination because that was part of the this idea of truly, this is taking moving forward together to a whole nother level. But it required that, that level of, of commitment and engagement. Over the course of the decade that has been recorded where she was operating as Moses taking the children out of Egypt. One of the many challenges she faced was, as a conductor, you were responsible for keeping those who had been enslaved safe and keeping them fed. There are the stories told by, you know, in the slave narratives, by those folks who went solo, how there was how confusing it got at times, how, how desperate it got. They didn't have an awareness of food and what was poisonous and what wasn't, and so they were limiting themselves in ways. And it was, it, clearly, it's a difficult, challenging, horrid trek. But it was made by folks who decided that that would be better. They'd rather do that than stay enslaved. So in her role, she was responsible for for them, making sure that on that arduous journey that they were both safe and fed. And often, as I said earlier, going through the swamps while they were being chased by teams of armed men and dogs searching for them, they would wade into the water. Now, as I was reading some of this and doing my preparation, I remembered seeing in movies, obviously, or, or, or depictions where someone holding a weapon, a gun, would have to hold that up. And it occurred to me, I often wonder, how do people learn certain things? What are the lessons? What's the Sankofa moment? What's the lesson that, how does one know that you can't, that that weapon can't get wet? I mean, how many have to get wet before you realize, oh, that's what the problem is. It cannot get wet at all. 
what is it that, as the conductor, what all do you have to know? Who do you have to be? How do you have to be in order for folks to listen? She would, she would use a, a, an herb as a, a sedative to put on the bread and feed the baby so that they would be asleep. And I wouldn't doubt it that it was given to some other folks in limited ways. You, you know how we are. Come on now. You know how we are. When you take us on the trek, sometimes you're going to have to use some tricks because we're not just going to be who we're supposed to be. Here's the thing. Mother Harriet clearly never lost sight of her goal. And her goal was freedom. And throughout it all, we can unequivocally say that she kept her eye on the prize. Kept her eye on the prize. That's the song that we used to sing with our black, every black history. We would sing together, keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on, hold on. Keep your eyes on the prize. Hold on. I've asked Liberta Lorel to sing this for us now.
your eye on the prize. Hold on. That's for us. That with our eye on, let, let me just say thank you. Thank you, Liberta Laurel. Thank you, Valerie Joy Fidmont. And a special thank you for Tammy Hall. Just thank you. My heart is full to overflowing in gratitude and thanksgiving for the, the energetic presence. See, there's something about, about those songs that are not just the words. It's not the melody. It's the energetic presence of the ancestors, of, of the work that these songs were put to, the work that they did. It's the pattern in the fabric that has already been set. We are, in a sense, riding a divine wave around it. It's in this notion of, of keeping my eye. Can I just, just personally join me if it works for you? But for me to, to commit to, for me to absolutely determine and commit and stick to keeping my eye on the prize, it means I'm going to have to take it off of some other stuff. It means that I will be required by my own decision, by my own inner guidance to keep that eye single, to make certain that I am focused on that that matters most. So look, there's this idea that Ernest Holmes has shared that... Um, Mary Baker Eddy has shared that Emerson has shared that, that Ernest Holmes says this way. He says, nothing but, and, and look, I am wanting, with this intention of keeping my eye on the prize, with that intention, from that posture, if you will, here's how I, I am bringing I'm going to stir a little Ernest Holmes into this, all right? I know it doesn't quite fit with the theme and so forth, but I'm just going to stir him in because it's truth teaching. And I'm always going to make a little room for some truth teaching. Does that make sense? Okay. So Ernest Holmes says, nothing but the true answer can present itself to me. You see, when I'm in that stance, when I have my eye on the prize, and that means I have eliminated all the other distractions. They're there, but I'm not focused on them. So in that stance, nothing but the true answer can present itself to me. I stand guard at the door of my conscious mind, and nothing but that which I desire can enter. Why? Because I have my eye on the prize. I know from that posture, from that awareness, because I have my eye on the prize, everything that comes to me comes in the context. My understanding is clear about the connection because nothing else is getting through. Remember, I got my eye on the prize. So I know the solution to my problem is known in infinite mind. I know that for sure. And that the divine intelligence within me directs and guides me. Why? Because I got my eye 
on the prize. There's that part in the song that says, I got my hand on the freedom plow. Wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. That's the part that, that always, there's a part of me that almost wants to jump out of my skin because this idea of me having, well, first we got to get ready for the idea of my hand on being on any kind of plow. So now once we, we don't take a moment to get over that shot. But once we get past that, when we think that I have my hands on the freedom plow, Lord have mercy. Because what am I going to do with the plow but cut my way through, but make a way for whatever needs to come up, which is freedom, which is the divine liberation. So I got my hand. What? I'm not working my way to get there. I got my hand on the freedom plow. Come on, Langston Hughes. Keep your eye on... See, I'm already there. It's so easy to get distracted. Do it all the time. Got your hand on the freedom plow and decide, well, I should just go over here and get a little something else. <laughs> or decide, I'm looking for... I can't, I can't take freedom till I get so-and-so. Tam, where's Tammy? We waiting for Tammy to get here. We waiting for Valda to get here. We, uh-uh. Got your hand on the freedom plow. Wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. But why? Because I'm focused. I'm attentive to what matters. The rest of it don't matter. We're focused on freedom. All the other things no longer matter. So look, in order to do this, if we're moving forward from fear to faith, and we are, What must you release? I'm talking to you, everybody now. What must you release? Take a moment. Got your hand on the freedom plow. What must you release? Not just the word. Don't just say doubt. Doubt about what? Distrust. Uh-uh, not the general category. Distrust around what? Worry, mm -mm, not trying to hear the word worry. Worry about what? What you worried about that you know is in the way? Fear, okay, general category, not interested. What specifically is the fear? What is it that is between you? I'm working mine out. This morning ain't going to be about mine. It's yours. Bring it in. If you want to, you can put it in the chat. If not, you can write it in your journal right away. Don't, don't mess around and forget. This might be one of those talks that you want to go back and, and see and hear again, to take in, journal in hand. Not to hear my voice, but to hear yours. To hear your voice your thinking, what comes up for you in this? Look, this notion of wading in the water and all that that, all that, that includes. The Hebrew children waded into the water and it parted. And, and, and then there, there are the stories about 
all the places, including in France now, there, there, are, those there are those places in the world now in a variety of, of uh, locales where the idea is that when the water is disturbed, troubled, moved, that something can happen in a healing way. This is not just superstition of biblical times. This is what folks swear to. And, um, and unfor I can't even think of the place in France, in Paris, at where I've been, where you see the crutches and the stuff that people have left for their, for their own healing. But look, the story I want to tell is from John 5. And it's, it's one, of my, one, one of my favorites because I see me in it. I saw me in it the first time, or the first time I had a conscious awareness of the story. I know I've heard it since, since I was a young and not paying much attention to it. But in time, I began to see myself in it. And, and it talks about that there was the, a certain place in Jerusalem that in Aramaic is called Beth. Kesda. And in this place, it said there are five porches. And I have seen photographs of the ruins now. And then also architectural drawings of how it must have looked where they, um, you know, where they back it up, I guess, forensically to give us a sense of if this is what's left, then this is these are the missing parts, and this is how it looked. But regardless of those details, here's what happened. This was a place where, where the ill and infirm would come because, again, when the water is moved, they believe that an angel was moving the waters. And when that happened, and nobody, there was no advance, wasn't going to be on the news in a Gil Scott Heron kind of way, wasn't going to be televised. That so people would not be able to get the television awareness and then run out and hop in the water. You needed to be there. And so there were those folks who just, who were there and had been there for uh, as long as they had been there to get an opportunity. And my sense is the way it's written that it, it, this, this troubling of the waters, this disturbance in the water, this angel moving the water didn't last for very long. So it wasn't a week-long process. It was a momentary process. And you had, oh, I'm just hearing the metaphor in this. You're going to have to be ready and to get in it because it's not waiting for you. So look, um, so... That's how the thing happened. But here's, here's the point here. It happened that there was, and Scripture says, a certain man. And anytime it gives you a certain anything, certain man, certain whatever, certain, it means there's some specific criteria. It has to be this person, this descriptor, this consciousness in order for it to serve in this particular telling of it. This particular one, you see, it had to be this certain one because this one had been there for 38 years. Now, those of you who do numerology, work it out. But the point here is it's a long time in a state of consciousness. Now, <laughs> I wish I could act like 
I don't have no mess that I've been holding for 38 years. There was a time when that was just absurd to me. But you see, the groundhog in me has seen the shadow. So I know that some of that, oh, that's been there a long time. I'm acting like this is the first time I've seen that. Oh, where'd that come from? Why would I? But, but, in the, but the groundhog in me is like, oh, 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 oh. that's that same. <laughs> You've been that girl. That's been going on a long, long time. So you see, I'm the certain woman in the story. See, the certain man has to be, the certain person in this story has to be the one that's hanging on to some mess. She said, not wanting to upset the congregation with what she might be otherwise thinking. The, the one in this story has to be locked in to some limited thinking. The one in this story has to be crippled by the way they are being, thinking, believing. You see, this certain one has to be so dug in. Y'all understand dug in. All right, everybody doesn't. You may have to help each other out at home. Dug in, attached to, believe in their right. Gotta be this way, because it ain't going to be no other way. This is how it is. Just the way it is. Got the diagnosis, that's what it is. Riding a wave of whatever he, she, they said about that. And not open to much help. Certainly, come on, the certain man, like the certain women, also not go ask for help. That's part of the 38-year disease. Not going to get help. Won't help. Not going to ask for help. Why? Because I'm me. I'm the certain one that don't ask for help. You're excused if this don't have nothing to do with you. But look, the master teacher comes along. And he sees that certain one. And can you imagine that the energy around that certain one is huge? It's a pig pen moment. Because it's all that energy of ain't going to ask for help, ain't going to do nothing different. Just go lie here in victim shape and be right about it. And the way we know that this is how it unfolds is that when the master teacher sees that certain one and says, Wilt thou be made whole? That certain one does not respond, yes, sir, please. <laughs> please. Instead, because, see, this is how I peeped it. The need to be right. Got a story to tell how I got here. You see, you don't, it's not that simple. Master teacher, it ain't that simple. You, I hear you with that, but I'm not that one. You see, my story is the real story. Been here a long time. People haven't been helping me. It's a hard life over here at the pool. It's a hard life. You don't understand how it's been. Look at here. Here's what goes on. 
when the water moves and I won't, won't nobody help me, I can't get in, and that just happens year after year after year. There's an axiom about that, isn't it? Keep doing the same thing in the same way, expecting different results. But we always act like that's somebody else. I mean, whenever we say that, we got somebody in mind that isn't in the mirror. When instead, in our Sankofa, when in our honoring of the value of a Sankofa moment, we call forth the groundhogness in us. Yeah, I got more metaphors. I'm getting ready to mix them. We begin to see the pattern in our lives. We begin to see our stuff. We don't want to see it, but I'm here today to say we got to see it. We must be willing to look for ourselves and for the next generation. You know, there's some folks counting on us who pretty much think we're crazy. And I didn't always understand that. That just looked like disrespect to me. But as I look at the shadow of us boomers, I have a little more appreciation for how we can look a little crazy. We're not, but I can see how to the uninitiated we could kind of look like we might be. I'm just saying. So look, the master teacher, Yeshua, asked the man, wilt thou be? be made whole? Are you willing to be cured? <laughs> and then there's the story, and I picture inappropriately the master teacher just cutting him off. <laughs> now there is no evidence anywhere that the master teacher just did this here. <laughs> but in my mind, the way I tell me the story, I see the hand. <laughs> be like, okay, look, look. Just get yourself up. Just get up now. And I get it with a certain energetic. Y'all don't really understand because y'all used to a meek bow, Jesus. I'm talking about Yeshua, though. <laughs> See, maybe, that's, maybe that's the difference. I don't know. But the one I picture be like, look, and almost under his breath, don't try me. Get up now. Get your stuff and get up now. And with a lot of love, just so you know. <laughs> and we know it was with a lot of love. Why? Because immediately the man was healed. I'm, I'm talking about a certain man that is a certain woman, that is a certain person, that is a certain human, that is all of us. All of us who are stuck in our stuff. And when invited out of our stuff, we got a story. Well, you see what happened was. Oh, no, I beg your pardon. 
Well, you see, what had happened was when all that's required in truth is that we rise up. But look here. It begs the question, so how are we going to rise? How are you going to rise up? Not which leg do you move first, but how are you going to rise up? What's the rising in you? You know, this idea of, of, of the, the old folks sang the song of in the morning when I rise. It wasn't at the dawn. That's not the morning. It's the morning of your soul. It's the coming alive. It's the morning of your consciousness. It's the awakening of your awareness. That's the morning. It's not nothing to do with the sun. Other than it in you coming to coming into full awareness. Is this making sense, y'all? I know you don't think I can hear you, but I feel y'all. So look, how you gonna rise? Are you going to rise empowered? Make up your mind before you start getting up. Are you going to rise empowered? Are you going to rise forgiving? Are you going to rise loving and loved? Or are you going to rise wishing that you were loved? Hoping somebody's going to love. Do you see the difference? Are you going to rise in the morning? Not a time of day, but as you come into awareness, certain person, how you going to rise? Rise into your groundhog spring, the time in which you blossom. Because what is spring but the time of blossoming? Are you rising into your blossoming? How you going to rise? Come on, Liberta. I'm going to ask you to just, to, to just bring it to them. To bring it to them. Because people right now, I'm saying, how you going to rise? That's all I have.
sanctified. I'm gonna be holy when I rise in the morning. When I rise in the morning. When I rise in the morning. What I'm gonna ask is that you just calmly seek consciously and intentionally and embrace that inner place of repose because it's in this awareness where the quiet contemplation of spirit and spiritual reality can take place. And I ask that you just allow my voice to speak our shared words and just be open and open and accepting. It is in this state of repose that I am open, that I recognize that nothing no thing, nothing exists but divine source. Just breathe that in. That there is one life, one absolute, whole, perfect, and complete life, one divine, creative mind. And I know and I know that I know that I am living the life of the design. Lord have mercy. I am living the life of the divine and it is living me. I am breathing the breath of the divine. Divine source. And divine source is breathing me. I am in divine mind. Divine mind is the I am that I know as me. I am one with divine creative mind. It seeks in me its full expression. My mind is clear this day. My heart is open and rest in the peace of this confidence. I am remembering even right now. Thou wilt keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. My eye is on the prize. My mind is stayed on the divine source. I am filled with creative ideas and strategies. I'd have to be. I am one with the divine wisdom that produces them. I am guided by spirit to act wisely and truly. I walk only in the path of love, peace, and power. I accept new powers and increased capacity. I am renewed in body and mind. I am filled with joy and anticipation. I am conscious of the presence of divine wisdom and truth, and I more fully sense and accept that I am whole, that I am perfect, that I am complete. The sense of strain and stress is relieved. The weight has rolled away. The pain is gone. 
I sense the change in me. Trust replaces fear. Love fills the sense of loss. And joy now replaces sorrow. I have a clearer sense and full acceptance of divine source within me, not up there or over there or out there, within me. I know for sure the divine kingdom, perfect source, is within. I breathe new life. I live in love. I no longer bow to fear, pain, or suffering. I honor truth. My heart is healed. My mind is changed with my heart. Love is showing me the way to truth, and truth is doing its healing. This word that I speak for me, I simply speak as truth. As truth that can, wilt thou be made whole. I give thanks. I am grateful for this revelation of perfect truth. I give thanks for the perfect order of the universe and the perfect unfoldment of this word. I know it cannot possibly return void. It must absolutely produce in like kind. And for this too, I am grateful. So it is an absolute perfect gratitude for all that this word accomplishes, for the presence of the divine vibration in and as my life for this awareness and so much more. In gratitude, I release this word into the perfect activity of law, which I recognize as love. Is the love of divine source that covers and permeates absolutely everything, transmuting, transforming. And so I trust this word in perfect law. I know that it's done. <laughs> I know that this is done. This is done, wholly done, sealed. Oh, what signed, sealed, and delivered. I know that it's done, so I let it be. And I seal it for all eternity by simply saying, Ashe, Amen. And so it is. Love matters.